Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show once again. Thank every, thanks, everybody, for joining me. I'm still a little bit under the weather. I still believe I have a nasal-sounding voice, but 
uh, maybe give me a few weeks and I may be back on track again. Anyway, uh, I'm opening the show with talking about a school shooting horror. It's now confirmed. I'm thinking it's confirmed. At least it's saying it's confirmed that 17 people have died in a school shooting, uh, high school shooting. Um, I think this is the 13th uh, school shoot, deadly school shooting this year. And uh, police have arrested, identified a suspect. Okay. Uh, it says that at least 17 people are reportedly dead after a shooter opened fire. Um, it, it's tough to take, folks. After a shooter uh, opened fire uh, in a South Florida high school on this afternoon, police identified the suspect as Nicholas. Cruz. Uh, the crime scene is still active at this moment, according to police. The subject is in custody. Subject, suspect, suspect is in custody uh, following a shooting at, at a South Florida high school on uh, this Wednesday, and at least 17 people were killed. Officials have said the suspect has been identified as Nicholas Cruz. Once again, the Associated Press reported confirmed that the name. Uh, confirming the name students previously cited in the local media. Okay. And there is some tape, videotapes seeing the suspect loaded on, uh, into a, on a wheelchair or gurney or something and, uh, and taken, taken into custody at some point. At a, pre at a press conference Wednesday evening, uh, Sheriff Scott Israel said that 12 victims died inside the building, two outside of the building, and one on the street and two in the hospital. Wow. Israel described the victims as mixture, as a mixture of students, teachers, and adults. Other victims are still undergoing surgery at the hospital. He added, um, the Boward County Sheriff's Department confirmed that the suspect's arrest roughly two hours after uh, majority uh, Stoneman Douglas at Majority Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, a suburban community about 15 miles uh, northwest of Florida, of Fort Lauderdale, uh, was placed on lockdown. He's placed on lockdown. I mean, we just, they're still mourning the death of a police officer in this, here in the city of Chicago, uh, Paul Bauer. I mean, uh, it's just gun violence or just it's just out of uh, out of whack it's it's out of uh, control and we've got these politicians in Washington who will i think Trump tweeted something to the fact that that he felt sorry for what was going on but we all we all know that Trump doesn't give a damn he doesn't care uh it could be uh <clears throat> wild the wild wild west out here he doesn't give a damn he's not going to do anything uh, to cur curtail uh uh crazy people to keep crazy people from getting guns he's not going to do that he's too much up the ass of the nra the national rifle association that that are lining these republicans these congressmen's pockets to keep them from doing anything about keeping the guns out the hands of people who should not have them who will do harm they're not about that i mean we can bring up every time there's a school shooting we bring up uh gun control and then after, and then we're done talking about it. And then there's the next school shooting. Um, and there's the next uh, shooting of a police officer is, uh, I think there were two police officers who were shot 
in another American city across the country, and nothing, I mean, in terms of gun control, nothing is being done, at least not on a congressional level. Uh, legislatively, nothing is being done. And they're making up all, the Republicans, we, we've known this for years, they make up all kinds of excuses to not, to, uh, to curtail uh, criminals from getting guns. They, the Republicans don't, they don't even want to see background checks. <clears throat> they feel that you should be able to walk into any gun shop and just buy a gun. And that's wrong. But, you know, you got some gun shops that will automatically do the right thing. You go buy a gun, you got to wait at least uh, uh, 30 days. for a background check to be done. But you know what? Background checks, does a lot of these back, they're good things to do. They're good things to have. You can keep the guns out of some hands who shouldn't have them. But background checks, uh, some of them don't do anything. I mean, I mean, some guy could walk into a, a gun shop, buy a gun, and he's never committed a crime in his life. So he's going to pass that background check. But the the minute he gets that gun in his hand and he likes the way it feels and pulling that trigger, suddenly one day he snaps, he goes out and shoot up his, shoot up his whole neighborhood. And uh, uh, then what have background checks have done? But still in all, I'm all for background checks because at least that can be a deterrent for those who should not have a gun. But this guy was 19 years old. Where did he get the gun? I'm pretty sure they're trying to trace it now. Both of these guys, the, the guy in Chicago that killed a cop and, and the uh, 19-year-old who uh, killed 17 uh, people in Florida in a high school shooting. Where did these people get these guns from? Obviously, the, the, guy, um, the guy who shot the police officer, and his name is, I can't think of his name right now, but anyway, uh, he was a, he's been on the police radar for two decades. I mean, this guy should have never been carrying a gun. Where did he get it from? Someone gave it to him? He surely didn't buy it, I don't believe. <clears throat> and this 19-year-old who was once a student at the school, they said he got pissed off about something. And, and it, you know, where did he get his guns? You know, I'm 19. I would think that's you're too old. You're still an adult, but in some ways you're, you're still a teenager, a teenager adult or whatever they want to call it. But still in all, how did he get his weapons? If some of these, uh, I guess what I'm saying is, if some of these uh, gun control uh, policies were implemented, uh, if some of these uh, were implemented, uh, maybe we wouldn't be where we are today with all of these school shootings. There is just too many of these things for Congress to ignore them. But I'm pretty sure they're going to, just like all the other school shootings and all the other outcries for for gun control, Congress is going to ignore everything because they are in the pockets of the NRA and the NRA is lining their pockets. And um, all right, you've been listening to the George Walter Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. And we're talking about the latest events uh, in shootings that are going on around the country. Uh, yeah, they're going to talk about it. They're going to... Uh, pretend like they care when they don't care because if they cared, they would have done something about this years ago. It seems like every school shooting, it gets uh, gun control get talked about, things are talked about, you know, people are dead, but after a while it, 
it is as if nothing has happened. If it's nothing, it's like back to usual after things are happening. Um, let's see. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. And we're talking about gun control here. We'll be right back. Perhaps you've noticed we no longer have old people in this country. They're all gone now, replaced by senior citizens. Somehow we wound up with millions of these unfortunate creatures known as golden agers or mature adults. These are cold, lifeless, antiseptic terms, typically American, all ways of sidestepping the fear of aging. And it's not difficult to understand the fear of aging. It's natural. And it's universal. No one wants to get old. No one wants to die. But we do. We die. And we don't like that. So we shade the truth. I started doing it when I reached my 40s. I'd look in the mirror at that time and think, well, I guess I'm getting older. That sounded a little better than old. Sounded like it might even last a bit longer. But people forget that older is comparative, and they use it as an absolute. She's an older woman. Oh, really? Older than what? Than she used to be? Well, yeah. So? People think getting old is bad because they think being old is bad. But you know something? Being old is just fine. In fact, it can be terrific. And anyway, it's one of those things you don't get to choose. It's not optional. But that insufferable group among us known as baby boomers, ages 42 through 59, as of 2005, are beginning to get old, and they're having trouble dealing with that. Remember, these baby boomers are the ones who gave us this soft, politically correct language in the first place. So rather than admit they're getting old, the baby boomers have come up with a new term to describe themselves as they approach the grave. They don't care for middle-aged, so instead, get this, folks, instead, they claim to be pre-elderly. Don't you love that? Pre-elderly. It's a real word. You don't hear it a lot, but it's out there. The boomers claim that if you're between 50 and 65, you're pre-elderly. But I'd be willing to bet that in 2011, when they begin turning 65, they will not be calling themselves elderly. I have a hunch they'll come up with some new way of avoiding reality. And I have a suggestion for them. They should call themselves the pre-dead. It's a perfect term because for them, it's accurate and it's highly descriptive. By the way, those ever clever boomers have also come up with a word to describe the jobs they feel are most suitable for retired people who wish to keep working. They call these jobs elder-friendly. Isn't that sad? God, that's just really, really sad. And so, to sum it up, we have these senior citizens. And whether I like that phrase or not, unfortunately, I got used to it. And I no longer react too violently when I hear it. But there is still one description for old people that I'll never accept. That's when I hear someone describe an old guy as being, for instance, 80 years young. Even though I know it's tongue-in-cheek, it makes my skin crawl. It's overly cute and precious, and it's an evasion. It's junk language. On CBS's 60 Minutes, Leslie Stahl, God help her, actually referred to some old man as being a 90-something. 
Please, Leslie, I need a small personal break here. One last pathetic example in this category. On the radio, I heard Matt Drudge actually refer to people of age. And he wasn't being sarcastic. He said the West Nile virus is a particular threat to people of age. Poor Matt. Apparently, he's more fucked up than he seems. Now, going to an adjacent subject, one unfortunate fact of life for many of these 80 or 90-somethings is that they're forced to live in places where they'd rather not be. Old people's homes. So what name should we use for these places where we hide our old people? When I was a little boy, there was a building in my neighborhood called the Home for the Aged. It had a copper sign on the gate. Home for the Aged. It always looked deserted. I never saw anyone go in. Naturally, I never saw anyone come out either. Later, I noticed people started calling those places nursing homes and rest homes. Apparently, it was decided that some of these old people needed nurses, while others just needed a little rest. What you hear them called now is retirement homes or long-term care facilities. There's another one of those truly bloodless terms, long-term care facilities. But actually, it makes sense to give it a name like that, because if you do, you make it a lot easier for the person you're putting in there to acquiesce and cooperate with you. I remember old people used to tell their families, whatever you do, don't put me in a home. Please, don't put me in a home. But it's hard to imagine one of them saying, whatever you do, don't put me in a long-term care facility. So calling it that is really a trick. Come on, Grandpa, it's not a home. It's a long-term care facility. By the way, while we're on this subject of the language of getting old, I want to tell you something that happened to me in New York on a recent evening. I was standing in line at the Carnegie Deli to pay my check, and there was a guy ahead of me who looked like he was in his 60s. He gave the cashier a $10 bill, but apparently it wasn't enough. When the cashier mentioned it to him in a nice way, he said, Oh, I'm sorry, I guess I had a senior moment. And I thought how sad that was. To blame a simple mistake on the fact that you're in your 60s, even if you're just sort of joking. As if anyone would think a 20-year-old couldn't make the same mistake. I only mention this because it's an example of how people can brainwash themselves by adopting popular language. I wanted to pull him aside and say, listen, I just heard you refer to yourself as a senior. And I wanted to ask, were you by any chance a junior last year? Because if you weren't a junior last year, then you're not a senior this year. I wanted to say it, but I figured... Why would he listen to me? After all, I'm still a freshman. Right. Okay, that's why I got all I got all these calls saying that. Um, okay, uh, let me do this. I'm off. I'm off. All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Trump finally speaks out against domestic violence in the wake of uh, Porter scandal. He finally speaks out, and. Uh, and more likely, he's still supporting this guy. I mean, the guy who beat both of his wives. And there's proof in the media because there's one of his wives <laughs> there. So she's standing there with a great big black eye from a photograph that he'd taken, I understand. 
Okay, Trump finally speaks out against domestic violence in the way. Uh, he speaks out because his ass was getting torn up about not being, by, by not speaking out for it, and actually uh, praising the, the assaulters. I'm totally opposed to domestic violence of any kind. Okay, he, he, somebody wrote that for him and told him to say that. That was a quote. Everyone knows that, and it, and it, and it almost wouldn't even have to be said. We don't know crap about you, man. Now this is I'm gonna quote him again. I'm totally opposed to domestic violence. And then he's gonna say that we all know that. We don't know anything. We didn't know that you were a pussy grabber. We don't know anything about you. He is opposed to domestic violence because he praised the assaulters, saying that they were good people. They were great people. And he hopes they find a good job in the future because they were great people. That's not being opposed to domestic violence. That's egging it on. That's saying that you're taking up for the, for the men and not the women who were the uh, victims. You're taking up for the perpetrators and not the victims. Trump talks out of his butt every time he opens his mouth. He, he, he puts his finger in the air and find out which way the wind is blowing, and that's how he's going to respond. Trump is, we all knew what Donald Trump was before he got elected. It's just that once he was, once he, uh, was in office, he showed that he was always what he always has been. So why are so many people surprised? I guess we're not that surprised of the behavior of Donald Trump. We're just surprised that he actually got elected. That's the surprise part. Nobody, I mean, the popular vote, I mean, it went for Hillary Clinton. There's no doubt about that, and Trump is still pissed off about that. About that. So, um, so he's saying um, he's finally speaking out against it, you know, if he get elected again, okay? He wants to run again. He, he doesn't want the Republicans uh, to get wiped out like they're already doing so far. Okay, President Donald Trump finally spoke out against domestic violence on Wednesday, more than a week after the White House Staff Secretary Bob Porter resigned amid allegations that he physically abused his two ex-wives. This is Trump. Again, I'm quoting him. I am totally opposed to the violence of any kind, just like he's not a racist or white supremacist, um, Trump told reporters. Usually he's, a, he's avoiding reporters and ignoring them. But, he, uh, but the world is thinking that he is a domestic violence abuser himself because he will not take down the uh, perpetrators of this kind of uh, behavior. Trump has come under fire for not directly addressing domestic violence victims or speaking out against Porter's alleged behavior. In his first remarks about the scandal last week, Trump emphasized that Porter denies the allegations. So what if he denies them? I mean, if you, uh, I mean, every other crook in prison denies uh, that they uh, denied the, denies the charges against him. Are we supposed to believe him because he said he didn't do it? Oh, wow. Quoting, uh, as you probably know, he says he's innocent. And I think you have to remember that, in that a bitch. 
uh, Trump told reporters in the Oval Office. He said he's very strongly, he said very strongly yesterday that he's innocent. And so you have to talk to him about that. Give me a break. The next day, he tweeted out sympathy for people who, whose lives are being shattered and destroyed by mere allegation. Oh, boy. Trump, 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 Trump. You can't believe anything this guy says. Somebody whispered in his, whispered in his ear, you better go out and say something nice. You better feel compassionate. You better do this. You better do that because the Republicans are under attack. And we, anybody with any kind of a brain we don't believe anything whatsoever that's coming out of this white house especially when they're trying to get on the side of the people give me a break donald trump is donald trump and donald trump will always be donald trump we knew what he was like before he became president and all of it's just coming to fruition right now and even more so a few days ago he praised this guy rob porter i mean he praised him and now he's backing away because he's feeling the heat. That's the only reason why Trump is backing away or he's speaking up about it now, even a week too late. Uh, he hasn't a week. He, he's always uh, a week late or two weeks late speaking up on something that he should have immediately addressed. But the only time Trump speaks up on something is is when he's feeling the heat from. Uh, other Republicans from those in his inner circle, from the American people, then he'll speak up. But it's not really in his heart. He's just trying to take the heat off of him a little bit. I mean, we know Trump. We know what he is. We know what he's like. You know, and this is not going to stop uh, a blue tsunami uh, in November. This is just going to uh, uh, compel it a, a lot more. Okay, so Trump is, and he is also, from my understanding, he's also uh, endorsing a 25 cents tax increase in gas. And this guy just can't seem to stay out of America, the America, uh, our pockets, put it that way. He can't seem to stay out of our pockets. Now he wants to, um, he wants to, um, uh, 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 trade food stamps for box foods for for the poor. Uh, this is crazy. This is just crazy. In his budget proposal, in his uh, upcoming budget proposal, he wants to cut $1.7 trillion from the budget and provide uh, uh, but in increasing uh, defense spending. So this this is this is something, you know. I mean, I don't think this budget is going to see the light of day because uh, this 2019 budget, I don't think it's going to see the light of day because uh, more than likely he may not be in office that long. And if he is, Congress will be taken over by uh, progressives. And so we can uh, reverse a lot of the damage that Trump has done uh, come November 6, 2018. We can reverse a lot of it. Just like he's reversed a lot of things Obama has done, the next president or the next Congress gets in there. They can reverse a lot of things that Trump is doing. And he's pissed off about that. He knows that. You know, so that's why he's going around in some areas saying, vote Republicans, vote for a Republican, you know, and that's not happening. 
because uh, people are voting Democrat, and that's pretty good. That, that's a decent thing. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. I just got through talking about uh, the school shootings and the, the shooting of a police officer, uh, a beloved police officer here, right here in the city of Chicago. And we really do have to talk about gun control. We maybe we can talk about it, but I doubt it if Congress is going to do anything because they, they're in the pockets of uh, the NRA. They, they, they bought and paid for. So uh, more likely they will not still do, still will not do anything about gun control and people will continue to die from senseless shootings in America until we change our leadership in Washington. We're going to take a small break, folks, if we can take a small break and we'll be right back. Stay with me. All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Let's go over here. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Jacqueline Phillips. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Happy Valentine's <laughs> Day. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day to you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for uh, doing the show. Thank you very much. And uh, you sound you. very bright. <laughs> All right, Doug. Uh, my audience say a little bit of a, uh, uh, tell us a little bit of something about yourself and then talk about, uh, I think you're going to be uh, espousing on a, a healthier you or something to that effect. Yes. Well, I'm an author of the book Reset okay. that recently came out and it's, the book is called Reset, Six Essential Resets to a Happier and Healthier You. And it's Valentine's yeah. Day. And all the, yeah. I've been doing a lot of talking today about this subject, and it's like, what do we do? How can we reset our relationship with ourselves? What if we're spending Valentine's Day alone? How can we do it and not be depressed? And I just, you know, want to encourage people that if they are in a relationship or not in a relationship, however they're spending it, that self-care this Valentine's Day is a great form of self-love. You know, we need to learn to love ourselves in order to be full to give ourselves to someone else and to share that love with others. It always starts with love in our hearts for ourselves first. So if you are alone this Valentine's Day, like I am, um, you know, do something <laughs> nice for 
I went today and I got my hair done. I'm doing a prison ministry tour this weekend. We have our first date in Ocala, Florida um, for my book reset. And so I went and got my hair done, my nails done. You know, I say eat something delicious, get a massage. You know, even through the weekend, if maybe you're working tonight and you're listening to this show from work and you don't have a chance to do something nice for yourself, I think that everything starts with how we take care of ourselves. So when we're kind and loving yeah, I, ourselves, we're better. Yeah, I want to say yeah, you're, not, you're not alone. You're not alone on Valentine's Day. You're on the George Wilder Jr. show on Valentine's Day, so you're not alone. And everybody who's listening to the show, you're not alone on Valentine's Day. Uh, this show is right with you. We're right there uh, with you. You know, so we <laughs> spread the love. What can I say? <laughs> I love it. I love it. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So we're having a great conversation. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, uh huh. Okay. Uh, is this your first book, Reset? Well, this is my first book um, for adults. Uh-huh. I write a children's series called The Adventures of Sashi and Bello, and that is also mm-hmm. about sharing love and kindness. Uh, they are. Two little boys who are adopted, one's a dog, one's a cat. So they're adopted brothers sharing love and kindness and celebrating being unique in a multicultural world. And so they go through all these adventures and they teach kids lessons. And those books are for children um, between the ages of three and eight years old. So both books are really, it's like kind of like books, you know, <laughs> they're both sharing yeah. love and kindness. But Reset is, like I said, my first book for adults, and I went through two resets in my life, which were pretty traumatic, and I did reset all six areas in my life, which I discussed with the six essential healthier you tips, Um, and that is fitness, relationships, emotions, finance, appearance, and faith. And it's certainly not everyone you know, as a hot hot mess like I was, you know, but um, certainly we all can have something to reset in our life because what happens is when one thing becomes very, very out of balance, the other things tend to have a domino effect. And then they, everything starts being affected in our lives one by one. So I, in my book, I have workbook exercises and it's called the Eleva- Elevations of Truth. So you can look at the, there's thermometers in my book and you can see where you are and where do you want to go in each of the categories. Mm-hmm. And you can rate yourself. And, you know, some people might be like, yeah. hey, I'm doing great in finance. I don't need to even worry about this. But certainly yeah. maybe they'll learn some tips while they read it and offer it to maybe somebody else who needs some help. And then they so may look say, at their, go ahead. I was going to say, when you're saying a healthier you, you're not necessarily mm-hmm. talking about eating right and exercise. It could just no, be I'm, just being happy. It could be all of it. Happy. Okay. Inner, inner health. You know, the book, I say, is a, a spiritual weight loss journey. So, yes, okay. I did lose mm-hmm. 40 pounds. I'd never been overweight in my life. And then when I started gaining all this spiritual weight, which is things that happen to us. It's like all of our problems start in our spirit or affect our spirit so profoundly that we start to gain weight and we're heavy in different areas of our life. And, you know, some people, the weight manifests physically. Some people, they lose weight. Some people get migraines. You know, it's going to come out, that spiritual weight, maybe get anxiety. 
it just it just manifests physically different in everyone. So it is about an inner happiness journey. It's not so much a weight loss book. It's a spiritual. It's about spiritual weight loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, how is the book doing? How is how are people reacting to it? Oh my goodness, George! I've I've mm-hmm. been so thrilled. <laughs> it's it's yeah. been just so yeah. lovely. Like I've had people crying. You know. Um, just really positive feedback, even like close mm-hmm. friends mm-hmm. who you're kind of afraid to like give them your book because you're like, you have no censors because we've been friends for so long. So you're going to be so honest. You're probably going to maybe hurt my feelings. And like my one friend, she ended a relationship after she read my book and she was just like, I'm doing, I'm so unhealthy. Like I've got to get it together. She, you know, started a process. She got a coach. So it's been really positive, positive things that um, people have okay. shared with me. So I'm really happy about it. I okay, just, I've great. been saying this whole time, uh, like, I give, you know, God the glory for all this. Like, yes, I experienced all this. Yes, I can articulate, you know, everything. It, it happened to me. But this book really came through me because a lot of these exercises of things, I wasn't a coach at the time I wrote it. I became a coach after because I wanted the tools to be able to talk to people in a professional manner that would help them instead of like giving my opinion, you know? So especially yeah. these people are sharing so many heavy things with me now because of this book. I just wanted to make sure that I would do, you know, a good job discussing things. And so I'm my friends that were coaches or even psychotherapists, they're like, I don't even know how you came up with these questions because you don't have, you didn't have this background, you know? And I'm like, well, yeah. that's just being a conduit. You know, we're a conduit sometimes. Well, a lot of times because you don't have the background to write something, it doesn't mean that you haven't actually experienced it. In order yeah. to give you the, uh, yeah, you know, the, the ammunition to write it. All right, uh, author Jacqueline Phillips on the George Wilder Jr. Show. She's talking about her book, Reset a Happier You. And uh, I'm pretty sure it's out on Amazon and other places and things like that? Yes, it's on Amazon.com, and it's also on BarnesandNoble.com. Uh-huh. And you can uh-huh. also access it through my website, which is Jackie, J-A-C-Q-U-I, Phillips, P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S dot TV. So totally. Okay, what are some of the other ways? What are some of the other ways that you're uh, letting people know about this book? Well, I have... A publicist who's been helping me, you know, book a lot of mm-hmm. different media outlets, and also on social media. Okay. If they want to follow me on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, it's Jackie J A C Q U I J Phillips P H I L L I P S. That's my handle, and you can find me easy, and um, you'll see the book reset on there, so you'll know it's me. And that's been a lot of it. And, you know, I've been a celebrity makeup artist for many, many years. So I've been blessed to have the support of the different Uh people I've worked with. And they've been sharing my book as well, which is really kind. And you know how it is, George. It's all about word of mouth. Yeah, I do. (laughs) So it's like one one step at a time. I'm just grinding and hustling and, you know, just trying to get the message out there. 
Yeah. And you know what? It's a great it's a great thing when someone when someone emails you or tells you that they downloaded your book or they bought it and they enjoyed it. That is such a great feeling. So I do know what you're talking about. Um, you know, so it's a great feeling. It makes you want to it makes you want to keep writing, it makes you want to keep doing it. It makes you want wanting to keep trying to help others out there that you know have gone through it's, some of the things that you've experienced in the book. It's so true and you know, I think the biggest message in the book is we all get so caught up with age and maybe we're not mm-hmm. where we want to be in life or we're not doing what we love or we hate our jobs or we're in unhealthy or unhappy yeah, relationships yeah. and you're kind of like, oh, my God, I'm 45 years old. How did I get here? I don't remember signing up for all this, you know. And I want to encourage people because I lived it. I lived it twice. You know, I thought I had a white picket fence the second time, um, and I didn't. Yeah. And it's it's never too late to start over, and it takes so much courage, and it's a lot of work. Like, my reset did not happen in three weeks. It took a four to five years to really reset yeah. and happy and yeah. healthy, debt-free and all that stuff. But it was so worth it because you gain your freedom and freedom meaning your heart is free, your burdens are free, you're free of that, like just being miserable. And then you can make some really great choices. You know, like for me, I had no creative energy while I was like trapped in these bad situations that I allowed myself to be in and I take full responsibility for it. We're all accountable for the situations we're in and we're, where it's up to us to remove ourselves from those situations. But once I did research, yeah, I would say, the process. I, I, I would say, I would want to add that also uh, to everything that you've just got through saying, I would also say, try to keep the negative people out of your life. Try to keep the, the people who, you know, who will not support what you're trying to do even if it's being a healthier you, because you have people out there who will try to stop other people from reaching their true goals. And oh, I've seen I'm it. So I've glad witnessed you said it. That. That's so mm-hmm. smart. That is such a great, great comment. I, I talk about that in the book. I totally agree. A lot of people like you in your, your low moment, but they don't like you in, when you're in your victory. And those aren't friends. You know, they're not friends because they don't want to see you Mm -hmm. succeed. They like to have you where you're not happy. They can control you a little bit. They don't want you to, like, maybe do better than them. So be careful who you share your dreams. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. (laughs) Yep, it's so true. It's so true. And then, you know, once you do remove the negative, you, you can be a conduit to all those things that are in you so you can live your unique divine purpose. Like, we all have so many gifts. And we don't explore this a lot of times because we're stuck in unhappy situations. So, like, it's like you can't even, like, have the motivation to do it because you're so miserable. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just I want to encourage people. It's never too late to try. And the try is so worth it because you never know yeah. what end up being, what kind of wonderful situation you could be in. You know, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone was going to reset their life like, over, I mean, where would they start? If, you, if you're going to reset your life, start, start over, where do you start? 
first you need to admit that you need to reset it mm-hmm. and be accountable for that decision. And then the next step would be to really examine your life and look at the thing that's really like your roadblock. Like what what is the thing you really need to reset the most? Is it maybe like your spending or maybe your health? And then you need to, I, I say, thing that you can commit to being successful at because once you're successful at something like, say you want to lose five pounds, because I think weight's always a very easy example to use for people. Say you want to lose five pounds in one month. Well, better to say five pounds than 20, because 20 is going to be hard to lose in a month. But five is attainable. And then once you succeed at that, then you can say, I'm going to lose another five. And each time you're successful at, at, you know, obtaining a goal, you're going to get, like, motivated, and that creates energy, and then it's going to have a domino effect. And before you know it, in six months, you'll have lost 30 pounds. But if you set unattainable goals, you're going to give up before you even get started. So set a goal of something you can obtain and be successful at and that you know you'll be accountable for, and then that's going to start your reset. And then it's it's just amazing what happens. It's just amazing. That would be my thing. But I think for most people, it's just so hard to admit that they need change in their life. You know, nobody likes change. It's uncomfortable, right, George? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, I never looked at change as something negative. I always looked at it as something uh uh, to better oneself at, you know, there's probably people, there are people out there who can't stand change and yeah. can't seem to deal with it. But personally, personally, I, I don't have a problem with it. If it's going to um, your, uh, make me a healthier and a better person, I, I don't, I don't mind it at all. Well, that's why you have a radio show inspiring people. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, Jacqueline Phillips on the George Wilder Journey Show. Tell us one more time where we can find your book and uh, give us some websites and all that good stuff. So you can find my book Reset by Jackie Phillips on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or on my website, Jackie Phillips, J-A-C-Q-U-I-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S.tv. Or you can follow me on social media in the links in the bio, and that's Jackie Phillips, or Jackie J. Phillips, excuse me, George. Jackie J. No Phillips. K-A-C-Q-U-I. <laughs> and, um, All right, yeah. Jackie. Thank you. Now I was going to say, once this show is over, and it's just about over, I'm going to send you a link to the show. So you can, this show that you're on, I'll send you a link to it. So you can uh, record it and listen over, listen to yourself, and you can put it on your website where other people can come by and listen to you on the show on your website. I'll send you the Thank link. Thank you so much, George. Thank you for having me on. It was an honor and a privilege to share Valentine's Day. You with are you on Facebook, right? I am. Okay, so I'll send it to you on Facebook. Okay, sounds great. Thank you. All right. Thank, thank you, Jacqueline Phillips on the George Wilder Jr. Show, talking about her book, A Healthier You. Go out there and you get that book and get a lot healthier in every form, in every in every aspect. All right, Jackie, thanks for being uh, on the show, and I'll be, be in contact with you in a little bit. Thank you, George. Have a happy Valentine's Day. Good night to your audience. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
right, Jack. Jacqueline Phillips on the George Wilder Jr. Show. That was great. We'll be right back. Services paid for through the Ukrainian president's political party. I think it's not all money for him. Making the world a better place, (laughs) one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. (laughs) All right.
At this time, I have the honor to present to you the moral leader of our nation. I have the pleasure to present to you Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. I am happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. One hundred years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. One hundred years later, the, the Negro is still languished in the corners of American society and finds himself in exile in his own land. And so we've come here today to dramatize the shameful condition. In a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. that the bank of justice is bankrupt. 
We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity of this nation. So we've come to cash this check, a check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom and the security of justice. We have also come to this hallowed spot to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. This is no time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or to take the tranquilizing drug of gradualism. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit path of racial justice. Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all of God's children. It would be fatal for the nation to overlook the urgency of the moment, this sweltering summer of the Negro's legitimate discontent will not pass until there is an invigorating autumn of freedom and equality. 1963 is not an end, but a beginning. Those who hope that the Negro needed to blow off steam and will now be content will have a rude awakening if the nation returns to business as usual. There will be neither rest nor tranquility in America until the Negro is granted his citizenship rights. The whirlwinds of revolt will continue to shake the foundations of our nation until the bright day of justice emerges. But that is something that I must say to my people who stand on the warm threshold which leads into the palace of justice. In the process of gaining our rightful place, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. We must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. We must not allow our creative protests to degenerate into physical violence. Again and again, we must rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force. And the marvelous new militancy, which has engulfed the Negro community, must not lead us to a distrust of all white people. For many of our white brothers, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that their destiny is tied up with our destiny.
They have come to realize that their freedom is inextricably bound to our freedom. We cannot walk alone. And as we walk, we must make the pledge that we shall always march ahead. We cannot turn back. There are those who are asking the devotees of civil rights, when will you be satisfied? We can never be satisfied as long as the Negro is the victim of the unspeakable horrors of police brutality. We can never be satisfied. As long as our body is heavy with the fatigue of travel, cannot gain lodging in the motels of the highways and the hotels of the cities. We cannot be satisfied as long as the Negro's basic mobility is from a smaller ghetto to a larger one. We can never be satisfied as long as our children are stripped of their selfhood and robbed of their dignity by signs stating for whites only. We cannot be satisfied as long as a Negro in Mississippi cannot vote and a Negro in New York believes he has nothing for which to vote. No, no, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. I am not my unmindful that some of you have come here out of great trials and tribulations. Some of you have come fresh from narrow jail cells. Some of you have come from areas where your quest for freedom left you battered by the storms of persecution and staggered by the winds of police brutality. You have been the veterans of creative suffering. Continue to work with the faith that unearned suffering is redemptive. Go back to Mississippi. Go back to Alabama. Go back to South Carolina. Go back to Georgia. Go back to Louisiana. Go back to the slums and ghettos of our northern cities knowing that somehow this situation can and will be changed. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friend, so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal.
I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be, be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children <coughs> will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right there in Alabama little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. And every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain. And the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the South with. With this faith. We will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day with all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is <coughs> a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring. From the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom ring. From the mighty mountains of New York, let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the crevaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state 
and every city. We will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. All right, that was uh, Martin Luther King, uh, his uh, I Have a Dream speech on the George Wilder Jr. show, since this is Black History Month. Uh, I don't think Black History Month is really not getting what is, is not the month it used to be. I mean, people, there is so much happening. Right now, it, it's, in 2018, February 2018, that overshadows Black History Month. We got these shoes, these school shootings, and that's that's not helping it much, if any. But anyway, uh, I love the speech, and uh, uh, it's, it's going to be uh, played throughout the uh, Black History Month for 2018 on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Freedom This is what I call Well, I want to say, I want to tell you, I want to say, when you can do what you want to do, and go where you want to go, and live where you want to live, and love who you want to love, and be what you want to be. You wanna join? Well, 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 that's freedom. Yeah, yeah, freedom. Yes, sir. When you can learn what you wanna learn and read what you wanna read, read. and write what you wanna write.
Mr. Trump, it's Dixon White here, sending a video letter directly to you, sir. And the only reason I call you sir is because the office that you hold is supposed to be a respectable office. But so I just want to speak directly to you, Mr. Trump. I know you may never get this video. Maybe you will, though, because at least I have white skin like you. But first, I wanted to applaud you for one thing, and only one thing. Um, many racists in politics are very covert. So I applaud you for being an open racist, and I applaud you for at least letting us see just how racist you are. And it's now it's it's well established worldwide that you are a bona fide white supremacist. Um, there's not a nation that hasn't condemned you as a racist. So you have dishonored and disgraced one of the, the highest office, offices in the land. But I wanted to say one thing. You made a comment yesterday about shithole countries, poor, black, brown countries. So because they're poor, because they're black and brown and not white or European, you consider them shitholes. Well, I wanted to give you an accurate definition of a shithole nation. A shithole nation, by definition, would be a nation like America that allows and tolerates a racist to operate in their highest office, the presidency. That is a shithole nation nation that tolerates a racist president. There is no worse pile of shit or turd in the toilet out of all the other countries than a great nation like America that allows its president to be an open white supremacist and then to allow them to continue to function as president. That's the biggest turd in the pot. Or as you say, the biggest shithole. Why? Because you, Mr. Trump, are the shit, the turd, in the White House. That's staining and putting the foul odor all over our nation. And of course, the only reason you're there is because you're a racist. You're a complete and utter idiot. With no competency whatsoever to be where you're at. The only reason you're there is because we had a black president and our racist nation wanted a racist president after a black president. So until America can get past its racism, which I don't know if it ever has because there's one thing about black folks, Mr. Trump. Black folks have always understood one thing. The more things change in this country, the more they stay the same. You are living proof that any white person, no matter how racist they are, and matter of fact, racism is actually more of a compliment in this nation. It's like apple pie racism in America. They go hand in hand. If you're a white American, you're a racist, and you've and you've proven that. And not only you're racist, if you're a racist, you get rewarded for being a racist in this country. Why? 
because we are a racist organization called America. Fact. And nothing has changed. In 400 years, what has really changed? We're still seeing black and brown folks executed in the street. Not that you and Jeff Sessions or any of your racist motherfucking cabinet care. You don't give a fuck about justice for people of color. You're all a group of white nationalists. So I just want to tell you, here's one white guy, and I'm telling you personally, Donald Trump, kiss my white fat ass. I hate you, Donald Trump. I literally hate you. And I pray to God, you get impeached. You're an embarrassment to our nation and upon the world. Please do us all a favor and resign. The only people that want you in office are more racist. And yes, I know that our country, the majority of white people are racist. And the majority of white people totally and completely support you. I really believe that. Because they're not supporting you, then they're silently ignoring your racism. But anyhow, please do us all a favor. In Congress, please act to remove this racist motherfucker and his racist administration, or Congress is no better. Please remove this racist motherfucker from office. It's 2018, guys. And if we can't remove this racist motherfucker from office... America is no better than it was 400 years ago. All right. Uh, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, they're still saying here 17 people died in this senseless high school shooting in Florida. Investigators believe that the suspect pulled a fire alarm to draw people out and to get a better death toll, sources say. In other words, he pulled a fire alarm to uh, draw people, draw people out from the classrooms and their offices in order to uh, have a better view and a very better angle of, of shooting, a clear uh, path into shooting them. Instead of going to the classroom, he, he drew them out. And uh, as soon as they came out in the opening, he started spreading bullets. So this is really bad. Um, I'm looking at all these uh, media outlets and I see nothing, no one saying anything about gun control. I mean, usually it comes up after a uh, devastating and deadly school shooting, but nothing, nothing. Uh, maybe in a day or so, I don't know, but uh, maybe uh, the media is not harping on gun control because they know that it's not going to get anywhere especially with this Republicans and, and Congress and the president of the United States. These are all Republicans and they're all in the pocket of the NRA. And, uh, but there's nothing wrong with trying to keep guns out of the hands of those who should not have a gun, you know, and uh, they don't even want that. They don't even like that. All of these kids and people killed in these school shootings every month, every week, it seems like almost. Um, and these guys, I don't see how these guys and girls in Congress stand by and just feel nothing because if they do nothing, it means that they feel nothing, you know? So we, we just have to, um, vote their asses out to the curb, you know, and put people in office who 
are going to make America a better place because Trump and his goons have just brought it down to nowhere. America has been flushed down the toilet. You know, Trump, you know, he is a racist. He's a pig. Uh, <clears throat> he's sexist, whatever you want to call him. He's everything he can. He tries to don- deny it. He tried uh a few months ago, I mean, a few months ago, Trump came out and said he wasn't a racist. And just like um, he just recently came out and said he's against domestic violence. It took him a long time to come out and, and say these things. It took him a while. And we know that that he is domestic violence. He is a racist. He always will be. He always has been. He can't change who he is. He can lie. But I think the American people, and he knows himself, you know, but there should be some kind of talk on gun control. This is madness. So we need to vote people in. And I, I, I think a majority of Republicans know that they're on their way out. They are on their way out. Uh, people are going to, people want to vote so badly, they wish they could vote now. But we've got 10 to 11 months to go. Um, and that seems like a lifetime when you got Trump in, in the White House uh, figuring out ways of making it, uh, making the lives of the, Amer- of the American people a lot worse. That's all he does is figure out how he can make our lives a lot worse. His war on the poor, his war on the Americans in general is out of control. Is out of control. He has a war on all of us. He hasn't there's no war with Korea, there's no war with Iran or Russia. He has a war with his own people, his own agencies, his own country. With the help of fellow Republicans in Congress, they are just as complicit, and that's why I say, and it's already begun. The, the blue tsunami has already started, because in in every special election, just about the Democrats are taking office, and a lot of these places where they're taking office were won by, my understanding from the reports, were won by Donald Trump. And he can't still figure it out that America just doesn't want him. He can't figure that out. But, you know, he's going to have to. In the show, I want to thank my guest Jacqueline Phillips for being on the show, talking about her book and being such a wonderful person. Uh, her book, Reset a Healthier You. Make sure you go check that out. Um, it, it sounds phenomenal, and I want to congratulate her for on the super duper work that she's doing and will continue to do. All right, you've been listening to the George Wanda Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. And we're just about over. We've got about about five more minutes left into the show. And my condolences will always go out to to the people, uh, to the victims and their families in this tragic shooting. My condolences also go out to Paul Bauer, the Chicago police officer, who was gunned down by a thug who shouldn't have been out on the street in the first place. So we have to keep those people, those people and other people 
who are victims of senseless crime in our thoughts. And America, America has to get better than that. We have to be better than that. But the only way we're going to get better at this, we have to elect people who are going to, who have the sensibilities to do the right thing for our country. Not, you know, not nothing to do with Donald Trump because he's far gone. <laughs> he's he's far gone. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show uh, on Black Talk Radio. guests on the show. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a great evening. Have a great weekend. And we hope that you will be back here at the same time tomorrow. For Take care.